Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampion. And my guest today is a good friend of mine. He's also a classmate of mine from high school, Dr. Okechu Oke Wanuri. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> You're welcome, brother. <laughs> hey, look, I, I practiced the name a couple times. Look, we go wait, we go back so far. I'm just so used to saying Oki. So I had Oke, to exactly. I had to work yep. on it. <laughs> How you oh, been, man? man? How you been? Man, man, I'm great. I'm great. Been a minute. Been a minute. First of all, man, congratulations on starting your foundation, Dig and Grow, Doc, with Dr. O. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. What was the motivation for that? Um, to be honest with you, um, you know, starting out in ministry uh, as a PK so long ago, my dad back actually back in two thousand eight started me out as a youth pastor. So being, hanging out with the youth, loving on them, mentoring them has always been a part of my life. And uh, now that I'm older and, you know, on my own and whatnot, the youth still have my heart, especially these young men. So um, they were definitely the, the defining factor of why I needed to do this because Many of these young men, they don't know, but they don't have direction. You know, some of them have direction, but it's like they're like a boat with no rudder. So it's like they're just going wherever. And I really feel that being able to help these young men and pour into them and surrounding them with people that are like-minded, that have something going, that are professional, stuff that can actually mold these young men into quality men of integrity. As you know, that's something I can help with. Hey, let's do it. Now, what year did you start? Uh, this uh, October of last year. No, 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 it was October of this year. Okay. Now, you've yeah, recently, so recently. Had a, you've recently had an event uh, on September 23rd? 3rd, yep. Mm -hmm. Was that your first event? Yes, that was my very first event under uh, my nonprofit organization um, called the Battle, which stands for uh, begin to actively begin actively training to live in excellence. So the premise behind that is because every man, from young to old, has a battle that they're dealing with or struggling with. And, you know, a lot of us, especially in this society as Black men, we are trained to keep our battles to ourselves. Uh, like, we basically suffer in silence. You know, we, we're not going to show emotion or show vulnerability. And a lot of men that have decided to go that route are really dying inside because of that stigma. So you got to be strong. You got to be tough. You know, you don't show emotion. You don't do none of that. So the point of this event was to show these young men that are currently in this cycle that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to, you know, let people know that you need help. And the, the great thing about this event, because I had a panel of five individuals, three of them were pastors, 
One was my fraternity brother, who is a serial entrepreneur. He's also running for uh, Ward 2 councilman here in North Las Vegas. And then the fifth person, he owns a technical school. And then he also is the owner and uh, founder of Bully Buster 702, which is uh, he, he just basically just taking bullying head on, you know, as an advocate for people that go through that. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that event was just a blessing to a lot of people. I mean, there were people that were even in their 30s that felt like they really learned something, that they really gained some golden nuggets of wisdom as a result of being there. So, yeah. Let me ask you a personal question. Um, you mentioned how uh, we as men struggle with being open about the things we're going through, the battles that we're fighting. Is that something you've experienced personally? Yes. Um, the reason I say yes, because in my culture, being from Nigeria, you don't really see too many men or Nigerian men that show emotion. Women, yes. Men, mm -mm. So growing up, you know, this was a factor that I had to deal with, you know, with my own dad. So, you know, it was just suck it up and keep it moving. And um, has always been with me over these past 43 years of my life. And I'm now trying to learn how to break out of that. Um, as a matter of fact, this last year was the first time that I ever went to go see a mental health specialist. First wow. time. Wow. And, you know, and I... <laughs> You know, when I, when I say that, I, I was like, man, I should have did this a long time ago. And I, I had this discussion with my brother, my younger brother. It was just like, he was like, yeah, man, like, we, we, he said, like, I need to do that myself because it's a lot of things that he is still trying to process internally, but he feels that talking to somebody would help. So I, I encourage brothers of color is no shame in going to see a therapist because if you're not one that knows how to communicate or express your feelings, you know, they will definitely help you to be able to think your thoughts out and to find a solution to whatever it is you're dealing with. Was it, was there something specific that happened that made you seek counseling or was just, oh, just time overall made you seek counseling? Well, well, it was more, uh, stuff I was dealing with with the military. So um, so actually, because of that, that's what caused <laughs> that opened up other things. You know, so it's like, it was good that because of that, what happened with the military, that uh, it caused me to, you know, look at other areas of my life that needed attention. So. Okay. Let's talk about the military since you brought it up. Um, you were a chaplain, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. I want you to talk more about what the role of a military chaplain is. Okay, so the role of a military chaplain, um, most people, when they ask the question, I learned this even in my uh, um, studies, I guess you'll say, where there's a difference between a chaplain and a pastor. A chaplain, basically, their role is to provide spiritual care to any and anybody, any anyone that 
means it doesn't matter your background, your sexuality, uh, your religious beliefs. It doesn't matter. We just provide encouragement. We provide hope. We provide counsel uh, to people that just need it. Uh, a pastor is more, uh, they're just assigned to a congregation of that church. We basically just, wherever we, we're needed, that's where we go. And I say that to say because serving 20 years in the Air Force, 14 of them as a chaplain um, was uh, an amazing experience for me. I mean, being able to pour into people, love on people uh, that were going through physically, emotionally, psychologically. And I'll tell you this. The one highlight of my career as a chaplain was I had a young lady in her early 20s who was, she was contemplating suicide. So because I was the on-call chaplain, they called me and said, we have somebody on the line that uh, is contemplating suicide. Patch, can you patch, can she patch, uh, be patched through? I was like, all right, cool. And I was at the gym at the time. This is in Oklahoma City. And I stayed on the, the phone with this girl for eight hours to try to talk her down. And thank God that I did. Um, and they were able to find her where she was located. And I remember um, it wasn't probably about a year or so after she thanked me, you know, for what I did and advocating for her, you know, trying to save her. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> your life is precious, you know what I'm saying? So I can't have you just killing yourself because of something that, to me, is something small. To her, it's something big. And oftentimes, you know, we have to, as chaplains, you know, really look at their problems as, you know, <laughs> uh, like it just, the, the world's going to end if we don't help them. And a lot of the issues that I've seen with these young bucks that are in their early 20s or a relationship didn't go their way or somebody broke their heart. So therefore, it's the end of the world. I don't want to live anymore. So we got to walk them through that. So how in the world did you talk to her for eight hours? Like, was it all like, please don't do this? Or was it like some casual conversation involved? Because that's crazy. Eight hours. That's a whole shift of work. Yeah, talk. I had to basically just try, try to talk her down because, like I said, I was in the gym, and then the gym was in the uh, in the squadron where I was at, so my office was also there. So I had to stop what I was doing. I had to go to my office, change my clothes, and basically while I was on the phone with her, I was also on my work phone, try to contact whoever I needed to contact. You know, doing a lot of strategizing. So trying to find ways of not using trigger words that will push her. Mm-hmm. So basically, I had to be like that negotiator. <laughs> had to be like the negotiator to help her not uh, defuse the um, to, to, to uh, let that bomb go. So. Were you were you nervous at the time during this conversation? Heck, heck yeah! <laughs> I I was really nervous because it was like you know, this so what why I was really nervous because this girl had 
a sawed-off shotgun with her. Ooh. Double barrel. Double wow. barrel with her in the car. Lord knows where she was at. But, you know, I, I would I didn't want to, while I was talking on the phone with her, and you know, you see in the movies, when somebody just cute themselves, you talking whatever, whatever, and then boom. Then that would <laughs> that would have been stuck with me for life. Yeah. So really it was just a matter of play, playing this really delicately. Being really del- delicate with the situation, trying to defuse the bomb myself without <laughs> hitting the right, the wrong wire. Yeah, that's what it is. How so if you... I got, if I got to take my time, I take my time. So after that eight hours, that's a lot. That's 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 got to be the most mentally draining thing. How did you recover from that? Oh my gosh! Um, talk to my wife about it um and just honestly just unwind you know go home just unwind i mean it's not really much that i can do is either i talk to my my wife or i go back to the gym because <laughs> mm. one, one, one of the two one of the two i'm glad you mentioned the wife because i listened to a podcast you did uh with the gentleman david foster and shout out to him that was an excellent episode yeah, you mentioned something that was really interesting to me. You uh-huh. said you you did the first time you did you 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 got out because your wife wanted you to get out. Yeah, you got a, you did a job with project management, and you went back in. So, how yeah. did you convince your wife to give her blessing for you to go back in? Well, because of the nature of the job. So when I was enlisted as a civil engineer they deploy a lot oh they they deploy a lot so you know she didn't want to have to deal with all of that so when i said that i was going in to be a chaplain they deploy but not as much as they uh everybody else does so and plus you know i was going to be an officer uh so all of that and the pay and all the other stuff was you know Helped, helped to uh, get that approval. Okay. For me, so. What year did your father pass, Oki? Twenty fifteen. So, did you talk to him before you made this decision? <laughs> so let's see. I, I commissioned to be a chaplain in twenty ten, and um, yes, I did, and I, I mentioned it to him. You know, just to see what his thoughts were. And he was basically like, you know, um, he was proud. He was very proud because it was in the direction of ministry. And being a pastor, him being a pastor as well, and him trying, has been for the longest time, trying to get me into that direction. You know, it was, it was uh, uh, music to his ears to hear that I wanted to be a chaplain. Um, so it was, he gave me his blessing. And, um, you know, and I would say it's two occasions that he gave me his blessing off of things that he felt were an amazing accomplishment or something to shoot for. So one was to become a chaplain. The second was when I told him that 
I had an opportunity to get my doctorate. So he was like, yeah, you, you better do that because, you know, I've never done that before. And I want you to not settle. I want you to go further than I have ever gone. And when he said that, I was like, say less. I'm, I'm doing it. Wow. Did you, did he, he, he did see you, fin did he finish, did he see you finish your doctorate? No, no. So, uh, um. so he passed in 2015. I graduated in 2018. Okay. So, okay. so, so I, I will say this, James, uh, the day that I got hooded, uh, that was a very emotional day because, um, like I was telling my wife, I was like, um, I wish that he was here to see this, but you know, one of the things that I was told was that he is there, he's watching. So it was like, while we were there waiting to be called, you know, I, I was just overwhelmed with emotion because, you know, I was like, you know, I, I did this not only for me, but I did this to make my dad proud. So, uh, so it was a proud moment. It was a very proud moment for me. Do do you know that because you you've mentioned on occasions that you avoided that calling, you did not want to take on that calling. <laughs> yeah. What changed? Like, what what made you say, you know what? Maybe this is God calling me to do this. <laughs> well, um, I was talking with one of my patients about this today, um, about answering the call, and I said, um. It's like me trying to run away from the, this calling. It's like me trying to run away from the sun. No matter where you go, the sun is going to be right there, right on your back. So, um, and I know for me, like one of the things that why I didn't want to be under my dad's shadow or even be in ministry because, you know, I felt like I would be restricted in life, not even getting to have fun, uh, not getting to do the things that everybody else is doing. So it's like, I didn't even want, I didn't want none of that. So I was like, I want to live my own life. Yeah, let me just run from it. And I did. And I ran. And I, and, and it, it's like, <laughs> you know how like, uh, like a kid tries to, uh, like, you know the layout of your house and your daughter Let's say when she was younger, try to try to run and hide. You're like, I know exactly where you're at. You can only go but so far. I know every area of this house. So there's nowhere that you can go to say I want to hide. So that's what I tried to do. And God was just like, nope, come out there. Nope, come out there. I try. I tried the party life. Nope, that ain't gonna last. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember, and this is all in college too. I remember I was like, oh, yeah, man, I want to get drunk or whatever. And I remember they, uh, before we went to this party, it was like uh, passing around this Jamaican rum. I took one sip. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't want that. I'm done. I'm done. So, I mean, literally, it's like everywhere that I tried to go, it was like, boom, roadblock, roadblock, roadblock. So, I was like, all right, I hear you. I surrender. So, yeah. So, what was the feeling like for you that you finally stopped running and you accepted the call? And what did that? How did that make you feel? Uh it made me feel good um, because, well, no, 
it made me feel good, but it also made me feel um, uneasy because I didn't know what was ahead. I didn't know what was ahead. Um, you know, I, and I would say this, this is something I still struggle with, even at 43, even being in ministry for as long as I have. Um, and this is actually going to be uh, a part of my next event. Um, but one of the things that I will say that I struggle with, and as many men do struggle with, is the the um, insufficiency and inadequacy. So I feel like even with all that I've accomplished and all that I do, I still feel like I can't measure up. <laughs> I can't measure up. So it's like I, I, I was feeling that insufficiency and inadequacy to my dad because mm -hmm. I was looking at him and it was like, well, this is what I have to live up to. This is what, this is the blueprint. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to measure up. Um, and oftentimes they say, you know, you, I mean, you have a blueprint and you have a, a model to go after, but at the end of the day, you, you have to create your own story. But that's true. But I still, in the back of my mind, I'm still looking at the other story and like, oh, this story, this compared to mine, you know, some constantly comparing. And in turn, I mean, at the end of the day, comparing will definitely hurt you. So I'm trying to fight that battle with that daily. I, I think because I'm on the outside looking in. It, it, you, you, I don't, I, I never, I never had the pleasure of meeting your father. Um, but it's kind of, I'm kind of struggling with you comparing yourself to him because your life, you, though, you know, you're his son, y'all lives are totally different. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and, it's, and you're absolutely right. It's, it's, our lives are totally different, two different generations. Um, but back then, when I was younger, um, you know, that was something that, because I was brand new in ministry, you know what I'm saying? I, I really didn't, like, I love the way my dad preached, you know, like, with such passion. And, and I would try to mimic him and try to do things like he did instead of trying to make it my own. Okay. So that was something that I struggled with. And then even now, um, even though I serve in a church um, and I, they already have like a pastoral staff. So I'm like a part of the auxiliary team, I guess you'll say. But when my, my pastor, when she preaches, oh my God, like she, she be killing it to the point where I just like a little kid just sitting at their parents' feet, taking notes and just listening, absorbing everything. I'm just like, that's why I want to, I want to be like that. But right now, I don't, I don't like nah. I'm, I'm, I'm like like this. <laughs> I, I feel like this. So, you know that, like I said, that's something that, um, that I daily battle with. And like I said, my next men's event um, will be titled "You Are Enough: How to Overcome Inadequacy, Insufficiency, and Insecurity." 
So, um, and there's a lot of men that, that deal with that now. And, you know, you can be strong, but you can still be insecure. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's something that, that I want to dig deep in, um, and expose it, you know, cause a lot, a lot of men will hide it real, real good. So it won't be made known that this is something that they deal with or struggle with. So when is the last time you've been like behind the pulpit? Uh, um, so this is about to be October, first week of September. So what happened was that um, in our church, um, like during the first Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we kind of do a rotation um, during our prayer week where the um, whatever pastor or speaker would take one night to, uh, to deliver a sermon on that particular topic. And uh, mine was, uh, I think it was the 4th, September 4th was the last time I uh, I did something. So, and it's not every month. Um, it's basically just when you're needed. So otherwise, uh, for me, and this is something that I have told myself, because I, I don't have any interest unless God says otherwise, but I don't have an interest in pastoring a church right now uh, because okay. of my 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 experience from back in Maryland at my mom at my parents church um so right now I am fine with doing what I'm doing now because ministry has so many different faces um being a hospice chaplain that's ministry working with these young men that's ministry you don't have to be preaching or behind the pulpit to be doing ministry. So I'm looking at ministry in a whole new light now. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, because, and this is the thing, you, you've you accomplished so much. Um, you did your 20 years. Thank you for your service in the Air Force. You've you've traveled the world as a chaplain. You've yeah. Got, you've got pretty much all the credentials a man can have. So, I guess that's why me personally, that's why I struggle to see why you struggle. And and I and and it could just be the comparison thing. I mean, you said it yourself. It's just just comparing yourself to your dad, but it's like you said yourself, there's so many different layers of ministry. So yeah, you may not be behind the pulpit like your dad, but your dad never well, I'm not gonna say never because I don't know your dad, but I don't think he was in the military correct no well no actually he did serve in nigeria okay he did serve in nigeria yeah he was he was on the on the front lines in nigeria so long ago back in the 70s 60s actually but yeah yeah it's just but you know just your journey alone like the credentials you the, the credentials you have the things you've done the foundation like yeah. you've done you've done plenty and 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 again, your father. From everything I've heard, you you describe a great man. But at the same time, all that he's pulling into you, you've become a great man yourself. So you. <laughs> you just got to keep that in mind, brother. <laughs> you've done great things yourself, and yeah. and I'm sure your father looking down proud because I, I saw I think I saw little clips of the uh of the of the um 
the event you did. It looked great. Mm. Looked like it had yeah. a good turnout. And then I've just been following you on social media for years. For oh, wow. Like, yeah, <laughs> come on, bro. We went to high school together. So, <laughs> so I just I've been following you pretty much ever since social media was invented. And I've just watched yeah. you evolve. And you yeah. you yourself are doing some great things. So you know, just make sure you keep that at the forefront of your mind. Your dad, your dad is great, Ooh. and so are you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You mentioned, and then you talked about that's something very interesting too that you mentioned. You are a hospice chaplain. Uh, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, that, first that, of that's, all, that's not a, that's not an easy job to have. Oh my god! How did you? Okay, <laughs> how did you even get into that? Yes, like how did you even say? You know what? I'm going to do this. I, it wasn't planned. Um, what happened was that while I was getting ready to transition from the Air Force, um, the plan actually was to go back into project management. So you know, I was getting my resume ready and everything like that, and I was applying nonstop for project management jobs. Nothing was falling through, and um. As I was applying on Indeed and whatnot, it just happened that there was a position. I was like, let me just type in chaplain and see what pops up. So there was a position for hospice chaplain. So I was like, ah, I'm going to just uh, press uh, apply. <laughs> I don't expect that anything to come of that because this is where my focus is on the um, project management side. And then I just went on, on, my, on my day. And then literally within a day or so, this hospice company called me. Um, and I went to go and interview with them. And they, the fact that I was mili a military chaplain alone sold them. And then um, then they were like, okay, um, we'd like to bring you on. Have you ever done hospice? No, I haven't. I've just been a chaplain. Okay, cool. So they explained the process of how, you know, being a, hospice chaplain works, what is involved and all that stuff. So I said, okay, cool. Then they said, because in my mind, hospice, I equate that with old people. So they told me, it's like, well, um, you're going to be a pediatric hospice chaplain. Mm. Are you okay with that? I was like, I mean, it's something brand new. I, I mean, why not? I mean, I tried out. Man, let me tell you, I mean, I'm grateful for the experience, but I do not, that being a hospice chaplain for kids is not for the faint of heart, especially if you have children of your own. Um, so I started as a hospice chaplain in November of last year. Um, within a five-month span, I lost about five kids, all ranging from the ages of 20 all the way down to 10, all mm. to cancer. And I remember my very first death. She was 18 years old. Um, I was on base, um, you know, doing, uh, checking emails or whatever. And we had uh, this communication, um, like, group me uh, type thing. And no, it was Microsoft Teams. So we were all on there because uh, you know to provide updates on the patient so i met the girl on a thursday 
she died on a Tuesday. So I met her. I was there every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. While I was at work, um, they texted us like, yeah, Natalie is uh, starting to tra transition. Um, I was like, all right, well, keep me posted on on uh, this her condition, how everything's going. Not even 30 minutes, it was like she passed. So I left work to go drive to the uh, to her house where her mom and everybody was. And mind you, Jane, I've never seen a dead body fresh. Mm. I've seen it. I've seen it in a cemetery, you know, in a funeral home, but never in person. So this young lady, like when I walked in, um, they the nurses were um, cleaning her up and doing whatever they needed to do. And I walked in there, and I swear it was just like something from out of a movie. She was she was light skinned, Hispanic. So walked in there. Her mom was by her side on her bed. She was laying there, pale, eyes rolled back, mouth open, mm. lifeless. And I was like, "Yo, this is this is surreal." Like I've never seen this before. Like, and and they really made you just reflect mm. and and take life into in, in perspective. And I was like, my goodness, like this life is precious. So, um, like I said, doing pediatric hospice, uh, hospice uh, was an experience. I did that for a little bit, then they switched me to where I was doing more. Um, Bereavement. So basically, when somebody passes away, um, all you're doing is coordinating the the post death calls and correspondence that you send out. So I was more in the office. Then I did some adult uh, hospice work. That one was easier because you know they they're already at the end of their life. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, so it's expected. Right. Them kids, man. Yeah. So. So I'm I'm still doing hospice now, um, and I would honestly say I enjoy it. I enjoy it because, especially those that are not terminal yet, no, those are not terminal. Because I have a lot of patients that are that have cancer, or I have a lot of those that have Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's. Them them people are they the funny ones. Because, like, I've had some some ladies that look at me and say, "Like, oh God, you a tall tall drink of water. What's your name?" Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I would tell my wife, and she would be like, "Yeah, it's like me. Hey, yeah, watch out for them. They were trying to grab you and everything." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, we're right." Um, like, as a matter of fact, there was one, two patients I went to go see at a group home. And it was this one tall black lady. As soon as I walked in, she was just like, oh, yeah, that's a man. <laughs> <laughs> she said, oh, that's a man. Like, I'm like, uh, <laughs> that, like what? <laughs> what, the, what is your name? Like, I was like, oh, please get away from me. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so it's like you just be seeing stuff. Like, um, I even had a, a Hispanic lady. Um, I was talking with her and her daughter, but her daughter had to translate for her. 
And the mother was saying something about if I was married. She was like, yeah, he's married. And she said in, his, in Spanish, like, that don't matter. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like these old ladies, man. They they be, I don't, they just say whatever. So, yeah. but it's like I said, it's 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 an adventure, but it's like you get to learn so much about these people. Um, but you also get to be there for the family because a lot of them don't know this is new to them. You know, um, if you have somebody that's dealing with Alzheimer's, you know, you know them, or you've been with them for so long. And then before you know it, their memory is gone. And then they don't, 50 years worth of marriage, just like they don't know you no more. Mm. And that's a lot to deal with. That's a lot to deal with. Yeah. You, because of your experiences um, dealing with the hospice, and you just, and early in the conversation, you said you just started going to therapy like this year, right? Yeah, last year. Last, last year. year. Last year. Yeah. Was was your hospice job the catalyst for that, or? Uh, I I think honestly, um, it was just personal personal uh, decision. Okay. Um, also because I was um since I was transitioning, you know, once you start to transition from the military, um, you have to get all your stuff ready for um for disability. So oh, it's right, like, right. you know, yeah, so all of these things have to be uh, looked at, you know what I'm saying? So um, PTSD, stuff like that. So I had to also, that was a great opportunity to just go ahead and start seeing uh, mental health therapists because it was something I was dealing with anyway. Mm -hmm. So might as well just go ahead and roll them up together. Right, right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. What you man, you doing so much like you you know you 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 had you had your experiences in the military, then you got out, and now you're doing the hospice nurse. So you you take on a lot mentally. Like, how do you how do you take care of yourself? Because you again, you're taking on a lot. Like, what do you what are the things you do to take care of you? Well, self care. You're looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, the the gym is is definitely, and I and I'm grateful for a understanding wife because everybody has their their own own way of self care or just their own method of self care. So, um, the gym is one. When we're at home, uh, just watching. Uh, TV together. Um, we get sometimes we get massages together. Um, or just really just hang out. But like I said, the biggest thing for me is really just the gym. Um, because it was a staple in my self-care throughout when I was in the military. So as a chaplain, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing or the biggest reason was because. Every time somebody comes to you to talk about their problem, because we are bound by 100% confidentiality, you got to carry that. So mm. you can't tell nobody. Mm. So these are people's problems, and I'm carrying on my shoulders, and I can't let it out. <laughs> wow. I got to keep it to myself. So that that's what forced me to really 
make the gym uh, a form of self-care for myself. You mentioned your wife, and you she's your outlet. She's somebody you talk to. She's one of your, you know, she's a huge part of your support system. Yeah. Could you imagine doing this job as a single man? <laughs> uh, I can, but, you know, it, it's always, and I think what makes it, I can, I can, I can imagine it, but it, the, I'm loving the, my current, uh, position now or how things are now because my wife is also a nurse. Uh -huh. So because she's a nurse is like, if there's things that I don't understand or things that I got questions about, she already knows about it so she can educate me. So it's, uh, having, having her as a nurse, better equipped me for the job. Mm. Okay. You mentioned, one thing you mentioned too is doing this, uh, the, pediat the pediatric hospice made you appreciate your child more. I wanted yep. you to talk more about like family. What do you appreciate about family as a whole? What I appreciate about family, um, family is precious. Um, family can be here today, gone tomorrow. Um, because life is fragile. Um, so it's like, um, with my son, even though he's six years old, going on 21, I think you know everything. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I have to really appreciate every moment that I have with him because when I think about the parents that had these kids that were sick, um, and they had to basically watch over them, look at them and and just accept the fact that my child is stripping away from me, you know. And oftentimes we don't want to put ourselves in that in that in those shoes. But sometimes to be able to exercise their empathy, we have to we have we have to put ourselves like what if that was my child? Mm. How would I feel? How would I react? So yeah. Wow. So that family is important across the board, no matter how much they get on your nerves. I'm a I'm a close with this. What is your what is your what is your overall vision for dig and grow with Dr. O? So um currently, like I said, uh the biggest thing that uh, well what actually was the driving force initially was mentorship for young men. Uh, to build men of integrity, to build men of substance, to be, build men of quality. But um, what, where I actually want to take it is, um, I'll call it like a three-pronged triangle, or just, you know, like a triangle. So where Digging Girl with Dr. O will not only speak to the physical, but the mental, emotional, and the spiritual. So one of the things that I plan on doing um, is partnering with other agencies uh, to bring more awareness uh, in each area. So if it's something that we're talking about on the mental and emotional side, my pastor is a psychologist, a clinical psychologist. So she has her own team of people that can help with that. Um, 
physical. I have, I mean, myself, I used to be a personal trainer, and then there's other people that I know that are in the fitness, that are in the medical, that are in the, just that area that I can put events on to help bring awareness. Like if for somebody that is dealing with diabetes or or uh, high blood pressure, you know, or we can do, you know, uh, bl blood pressure checks and uh, sugar check, you know, you diet for diet glucose checks, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, stuff on the financial, stuff on the spiritual. I just want to be able to capture, you know, to help people grow, to dig and grow in each area of their lives so that they can have a holistic total uh, so they can grow holistically. That's the word I'm looking for. They can grow holistically because you can't just you can't just grow in just one area and be lacking in the rest. So that's the overall goal. Man, listen, first of all, I think I said it earlier, but let me say it again. Thank you for your 20 years of service to the country, man. It's truly appreciated. Thank you, brother. And also, man, I'm really proud of you. Like, I, I remember you from, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what year we met in high school, but uh -huh. I remember us meeting in high school. You was always pleasant, always, like, always cool. And yeah. we didn't get a whole lot of interactions, but all the ones we had were genuine. So yeah. just following you and seeing your journey, man, seeing all the great things you're doing, man, man to man, I'm really proud of you, and I hope you keep up the great work. And don't forget, man, don't forget <laughs> You're doing a lot of great things. It's a lot of people who proud of you and you and, and who depending on you and your impact on this world is being felt. So thank you. Thank you, James. I appreciate that, bro. Definitely. Before we end, please tell the people like how they could follow you, how they can get in, um, how they could um learn more about your foundation and anything else you want them to know. All right. So um my Instagram is uh dig and, and grow uh so it's D-I-G-N-G-R-O-W-I-T-H-D-R-O. -G -G -R -R -O. So let me say that again. So D-I-G-N-G-R-O-W-I-T-H-D-R-O. -G -G -R -R -O. Dig and grow with Dr. O. Um, and I'm really just uh, blessed to be in this position to serve and to help. Uh, people, uh, young people for that matter, but um, servant, servant to everybody, basically. All right. Again, man, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best moving forward because I know you got some great things ahead. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Definitely. I want to take the all time right. to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lent. My Facebook is also conversations with Lent. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.